Thanks to our friends at your CBD store, you can get the ABCs of CBD at cbdrx4u.com. MW Therapy, a great EMR. Think about it like this. An EMR is to a physical therapist as a hammer is to a carpenter. A little throwback to the SAT days with a little comparison there. You deserve to love using your EMR. It's time for something better, something customizable. It is, you know, almost 2023. MW Therapy, where switching your EMR is easy. Check them online at mwtherapy.com. Had a great time talking to Key and Mang. I also love the fact that I've been sort of voyeuristically watching their podcast from when it launched and what they're doing with it now. And they're having great conversations and making connections and learning stuff. And oh, by the way, you get to do that too. It's the great thing about, you know, social media and creating content. The content being the podcast and social media, uh, one of the avenues they deliver it in. So they, they say it a lot in their intro. Two up-and-coming physical therapists talking about stuff. We got into a little bit of my backstory. And again, me talking about my backstory isn't to pat myself on the back. I mean, it's fun to talk about ourselves, right? It's fun to reminisce about how things started. But what I really want you, and I'm talking to you right now, to take away from what we chatted about here is it's possible. I'm talking about that idea that you have deep in your gut or deep in your heart or deep in your brain, deep somewhere in your body. But that idea, why couldn't you? What's stopping you? And why is it necessary? I, I Again, I, I talk about my story in this podcast, but really... It's about you and how you can create and connect and drive change. And uh, that's what we got into. Uh, always fun to be the guest in someone else's show. And that's what we have here with Key and Mang. So, so enjoy. Thanks to our friends from Jackson Therapy Partners, providing awesome adventures in patient care for physical therapists who care about where they're going. Travel physical therapy could be yours at jacksontherapy.com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. Welcome to the Key and Mang audio experience where you're here from two up-and-coming therapists looking to enhance the lives of listeners by addressing health, wealth, lifestyle, and overall growth. Tune in to hear the latest lessons learned on the Key and Mang audio experience. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Key and Mang audio experience. I'm your host, Mang. As always, show my fellow co-host, Key. Key, what's good? What's up, Mang? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Today, we got radio DJ, physical therapist, host of the PT Podcast podcast, Jimmy McKay. Jimmy, what's good? Yo. What? Yeah! I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I, I don't get that. We, 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 I'm like, I'm so excited to be a guest. Like, I'm so excited to, like, come to someone else's, like, house and their show and, like, learn. Like, I don't know. I, I get excited about this. I don't know if you can tell. I don't know if that's coming across in my microphone. Definitely coming across. I'm all. excited, too. Tell <laughs> Thank you for having me. But we just wanted to, of course, of course, thank you for taking the time out of your Saturday. Um, but we just wanted to open it up with just telling us, having you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to the point you are right now. now my origin story. Uh, I mean, every, every good superhero has one, right? So I'll tend to be a superhero for a minute. So, so I am here by accident. I am here by serendipity. Um, I can tell the story pretty quick because I've told it to PT students. I've been invited to speak at, you know, PT student conferences or, or, or schools. And then I've told the story at CSM. So on some small stages and big stages. And here's what it was. I did the morning announcements in middle school. And when I 
told everybody that, you know, today's going to be pizza in the cafeteria and basketball tryouts are at 5.30. Like all the hair on my arm stood up and I was in sixth grade. So it was probably about three hairs. And I went home and I told my mom, I was like, I don't know. I want to do this for the rest of my life. And she's like, I don't think reading the morning announcements is a job, but we'll figure something out. So then I went ahead and I got a degree in journalism and mass communication, um, picked the school I went to, St. Bonaventure University, little school in upstate New York, solely based on the fact that they had a campus radio station. I remember asking the campus like person given tours. I was like, I can just come get a show and my parents don't have to pay any extra. And they were like, no. And I was like, great, sold. I'm in. I'm coming to school here. So did that while I was in school. I had some internships. Um, Key, you're from you're from Connecticut. How close to New York are you? I'm like 55 miles from the border. All right. yeah. So you might be able to actually hear just because New York, Connecticut, Jersey, like they're kind of close, you know, in the same radio market. I, I worked at some pretty big radio stations in New York. 955 WPLJ was one of them that had a pretty big signal. And that was a pop station. And there I got to, you know, hand out stickers and T-shirts and, and you know, go to concerts and stand there. I got to dress up for one radio station. I dressed up like their mascot and stand down, wave at kids. And what, I mean, I did literally everything at a radio station from dressing like the mascot to recording commercials to hosting radio shows. Right. My senior year in college, uh, I interned for a radio station called 92.3 WXRK. And the morning show host, while I was still there, was a guy by the name of Howard Stern. So there I got to do more handing out stickers and T-shirts. I didn't dress up like a mascot or anything there, but I got to watch as people created community or created content on such a large stage, right? I also worked at really tiny radio stations. I worked at some radio stations in my hometown. So I did a little bit of everything while I was in college. Graduated. Got a job at my hometown radio station, the radio station that came on the air when I was like 12 and played like Nirvana for the first time. So for the first time, I didn't need to like listen to like pop music. And I was like, what is this rock music? It blew my mind. So I got to come home full circle and be on the radio station with the with the guys and the girls that I grew up listening to, which is a little bit weird. So that was it. Got a job as a as a rock radio DJ. Wound up running my own station a few years later, and I was I was done. I was just going to come to work in cargo shorts and a Guns N' Roses T-shirt, roll into the radio station around noon, give away beer, concert tickets, and hang out with rock stars. And I was just going to be I was going to be done. That's that's what I worked for. That's what I wanted since I was you know sixth grader and did the morning announcements. And then a funny thing happened. Let me see if you've got one of these things close to you. Yeah, you've got one of these things, right? Smartphone. This thing popped out. And I remember driving home from the radio station one day. And someone had sent me a link. for my, It was a flip phone, I think. And I had my flip phone like wired into my car stereo. I was so cool. This was back when that used to like be difficult to do. Like they would actually have to like, go to like a stereo shop to get them like wire your phone into whatever. And I clicked a link and I could hear a radio station in Los Angeles. And I was in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I remember thinking oh my God, geography no longer matters. Like, this is a big deal for someone like me who worked in traditional media. You needed to be within 67 miles of my radio station tower, right? So like I used to tell, like I used to train radio DJs and when they'd get a little bit too cocky, when they'd get a little bit too arrogant, I'd say drive 68 miles in any direction and you are no longer a big deal. Remember that you're not a big deal the radio station's a big deal. So like, that's how I used to humble people. But now I, th I saw this thing, the smartphone. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Geography doesn't matter anymore. My little radio station in Scranton, Pennsylvania is now competing with every radio station in the world. 
And how, I don't we I don't have a plan for that. Like I'm 25 years old. I don't, a, I don't have a plan to compete with the rest of the world from Scranton. So I remember I brought the this problem or this like, you know, I felt like chicken little. I was like, the sky is falling. I brought this to like all my bosses at the radio station thinking they'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's onto something. And they just patted me on the head and said, don't worry about it. It's not going to be a problem. And that was like, oh, man, that was like 2008, maybe 2009. And I'll be honest, most of the people I know that were in radio aren't in radio anymore. And when I started to get panicky, when I got patted on the head and told, hey, chicken little, relax, the sky isn't falling. Go back to the radio station, relax. Smarter people have this handled. I didn't. I immediately was like, pretend this ends, pretend this ended tomorrow. What would you be doing? And I happened to be um, uh, trying to do um, triathlons. I was a, a budding amateur triathlete. And the reason someone said, why'd you pick triathlon? And I said, it was a sport that allowed me to be mediocre at three things in one day. And I do like to be efficient at my mediocrity. So I did that. So um, the reason I bring up triathlon is after this, we would all meet like for a group ride on like Tuesdays and Wednesdays in, uh, in near Scranton. And there was this guy who was like the old salty, like the leader of the group, but unofficially. Right. And people would always come to him after these long rides. We'd go out riding for an hour, two, three, four hours. And they'd always come up to him because when we'd go out for beer and pizza afterwards, because you just burned a million calories and they'd always make their way to this guy. And they'd sort of like come to him like, hey, like my shoulder, or my back or my hip or when I ride my knee, what do you think I should do? And this dude, without ever laying hands on them, I would watch that the people that would come up, their posture would change. From like all hunched over and kind of like, oh, I'm a little bit timid. And after he would just talk to them a little bit, like they left the conversation, like sitting upright, a different outlook on their face. And I remember just thinking like. What kind of what kind of Jedi mind trick do you do? Because this wasn't just one person, but it was over and over and over. And that's when he was like, I'm a physical therapist. And I was like, yeah, but you didn't do anything. He's like, well, they didn't need me to do anything. They didn't even do anything. Not yet. I just gave them some ideas and they'll come back if they need me. And I was just like, I don't know what this is, but like, give me some more of that. I kind of like I like the feeling. I sort of felt like when I was in sixth grade and all the hair on my arm stood up. I was like, I just saw some I just saw I just saw a really good magician do a trick, I thought. And I sort of said to the guy, I was like, I kind of want to do that. And he knew who I was. It was a big group, but he was like, you're the radio guy. And he was like, nah, I don't, it's no, nah, I don't think you, you're committed enough. It's a lot of classes. You'd have to take like a lot of classes to do this. So I don't, I'm not going to, don't worry about it. Two weeks later, I'm like, so he fight clubbed me. If you've seen the movie, like I want to join your club. And you're like, no, get out. You're too, whatever the person is, you say you're too tall. You're too short. You're too whatever. And he just like pushed me away. But two weeks later, I'm like, I persist. And he's finally, finally hot shot. All right. I know somebody who teaches anatomy and physiology at the community college up the street. Like go take A&P one. And I did. I, I, he didn't think I was going to sign up, but I did. And two, three weeks after that, he's like, Hey, did you ever bother signing up for that class? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, how's it going? And I remember we're riding bikes at like 20 miles an hour in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And I'm like describing to him that I just learned all the things that have to happen for a muscle to contract one time. And he could hear my voice. He later told me, he's like, how excited I was to learn this little itty bitty thing that obviously had ramifications later on. And he's like, finally, like, all right. Yeah, I think you're good. You'll be all right. Cause you're that pumped now at this thing and you know, it's going to be long, you know, far. Cause this was my second career too. So he's like, all right, you know, you're not just running at this just cause it's the shiny thing in front of you. So great. Took all the prereqs, got into PT school, woohoo! Uh, Marymount university, still drinking another pint glasses. And, um, 
hung up my headphones and I was done. I was just going to, you know, now I'm going to be a physical therapist and I'm going to work with, I don't know who I'm going to, I don't know where I'm going to specialize or whatever. And halfway through PT school, second year, they required the Marymount university required that we go to one, uh, state APTA event and one national event. Just go, just, just go, just, you have to just go, just a checkbox. And I was at a, a cool like conference. It was the it was something for Virginia's Physical Therapy Association. And I remember I'm watching this guy on stage and he's like saying something. He's really cool. He's very passionate about something in physical therapy. I think it was how to, if I remember correctly, it was how do you train an entire brigade of army soldiers if the bell curve is tr is true? Essentially, if like you have some really strong and fit army guys and girls, and then you have some all right ones, and then you have some super not great ones and i was like this is really interesting but i couldn't understand what the hell he was saying thought it was because i was just a little itty bitty pt student and i didn't raise my hand in a room full of a thousand people so i didn't learn whatever I, he was trying to uh, share fast forward two hours to the networking hour also known as happy hour and i see this presenter walking around just walking around and I'm like, I paid 200 bucks, damn it. I'm going to learn at least one thing before I leave here today. And I just went up and introduced myself. And I slipped, without knowing it, I slipped right back into radio DJ mode. It was not intentional, but that was my lock pick kit. That's how I lived. It's how I put food on the table for you know 15 years up to that point. It wasn't intentional, but it was so ingrained in my brain. He's got information in his head. I need to understand it the way I do that is not sit in a presentation in a room full of a thousand people. I, uh, my tools, my skill sets, conversation. So I just started conversing. And what we noticed was around us in the immediate area, people were like, sort of like, you know, eavesdropping and kind of like we, we, we drew a little crowd and that was cool. And in 15 minutes, I understood the entire 60 minute presentation. That's pretty good. In 15 minutes of a conversation, I now downloaded six what was a 60 minute presentation and i remember thinking wow that was the difference on stage he was a presenter standing in front of another person he was a having a conversation presentation versus conversation i know which one i prefer so i'm gonna drive back to uh, home to pt school with my classmates i was thinking about this it's sort of like this whatever this was i call it an idea part it's like when you're like i got a thing i don't really i can't explain it to you yet because it's not a whole thing so i don't know what to tell you but the, the the thing was, how do you how could could I scale conversation? And they, again, this is 2015, where if you like, you had to explain to someone what a podcast was, like you really did. I mean, it's 2022, which is crazy. It's seven years later, but like in 2015, you needed to explain it to people. So I I pitched that idea to my classmates. I was like, hey, here's this crazy idea, and they're super supportive classmates. I'm like, I'm gonna do this, and 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 then people would just hear it for free, and they were like, that is a horrible idea. Don't do that. That sounds like a gigantic waste of time. Don't do it. And I was like, yeah, no, you're right. You're probably right. You're probably right. And then again, I went and I asked another professor. I was like, so I did this thing. And she was like, that would absolutely take away from your focus. Like, do not do hard stop. Do not do this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. You're probably right. But I still had it like that feeling like way down deep. I was like, I don't know, man, this feels like a something and I don't know what it is. And then I could have quit, but I did. I asked one more person. I asked someone, I was like, I need like someone who's at least open-minded enough to listen. Cause I felt like the first two groups of people that I asked, as soon as they heard, like, I'm going to do this thing. I feel like they're, and, I, and I've studied it or at least read about it since then, which is like people's own insecurities creep in when you, when you give them a, 
hey, you know what I was thinking? Like they immediately like, and it's not intentional and I don't fault people for it, but they project. They project their own insecurities on you. They're all going to laugh at you. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. If it was a good idea, wouldn't have, wasn't, somebody would have done it already. Like somebody, there must be a good reason that someone, so just put your head down, read the book and graduate. Sort of felt like I was in radio, right? Just getting patted on the head. Just put your head back down. Do the thing you're here to do. Don't do anything extra. Just, just go along, man. And I asked one more professor and she's a great, she went from being a professor. She hates when I call her my former professor because we're friends now. She's like, can you just call me your friend? I'm like, okay, my friend, her name is Sky Donovan. She's a chair at Marymount University. And I was like explaining and I talk with my hands. I'm like explaining with this podcast and what I was going to do with it and why it would help other people, not just me. And she was kind of looking at me like, I don't, I'm not, I don't really know what's going on. I don't know what a podcast is. I mean, I kind of get it, but she's like, you seem like you're really passionate about it. And from first glance, it seems like what, like, even if it didn't work well, like what was, where's inside? Like you're just talk to, you're going to talk to people and record it and then just like put it somewhere on the internet. If no one finds it, eh, that sucks. But if they do great. So because I got that validation and I'm using air quotes on a podcast, which is not a great idea, but I'm using, uh, I got validation and like permission and I didn't need permission. You guys have a podcast. You don't need to like go to the FCC. You don't need anything, but you're, I was looking for it and we all sort of do this, right? Cause like we're all, you know, this is why we like, this is why there's fashion and taste and culture. It's like, we're all sort of just looking where we fit. You want to stand out, but not too much. And you don't want to blend in, but not too much. You know? So I was doing that. I didn't need validation and I didn't need permission, but I wanted validation and I wanted permission. And she gave it to me. So I released uh, six episodes. Like I was going to be cute. Cause I was, I was trying to like be real, like meta, I was like, oh, I this idea came about in a bar and I wanted to set the stage to people because there were podcasts out there. And I was like, I want people to know that this is like conversation. I really want you to be loose. I do not want a presentation because my I'll just I'll zone out and then this won't be fun for anybody. So I set it up over a beer, which is why I call it the pint cast, right? And I recorded a six pack of episodes. Ah, uh, see, I'm super cute, right? And I was just going to be done with it. I was going to do one six pack of episodes and just be like, hey, that was cool. Like, I'm a, but I'm a student. I have other stuff to do. And sort of just flung it out on the internet. And we got 10,000 downloads the first month. And I was like, I don't, is this good? I don't, is, I mean, it feels good. Like 10,000 anything is like good, right? The best part was people were now messaging me and they were like, hey, who are you going to, this was great. Who are you going to talk to next? And I was like, oh no, this was sort of like a stunt. Like I was just like, I don't know. This is cool, but like it's a six pack, right? And then that's not it. But people kept asking, like, "Hey, you know who you should talk to?" And I was like, "No." And then they would explain. They would tell about me about somebody, and I'd be like, "That person sounds really interesting. Maybe I, I do want to talk to that person." And then it became my cheat code. If I got an assignment in neuro, I got a vestibular project I had to do. Instead of buying the book or reading the book, I called the author. And now I've got a human in front of me and I can use my lock pit pick set and I can pick her brain. And when she says something I don't understand, I don't have to keep rereading the chapters over and over again, which I'm probably not going to understand anyway. Uh, I just ask, I'm like, can you tell, explain that to me like I'm nine and then like I'm 17 and then like I'm 27. Got it. Okay. So it became my cheat code. And the other unintended thing it became was, and the person that I'm talking about who helped me on that vestibular project, her name is Becky Bliss. I'm still friends with Becky Bliss. I could text Becky Bliss right now because she's just terribly nice, but we formed a relationship. 
so now this other thing was happening. I was like, and again, so I said, when you asked, like, tell me about your backstory or whatever. I got here by serendipity. I would love to say that this was on purpose and look how strategic and smart I was. But I just sort of walked around PT school and early in my career as if I was walking around, as if the profession was a big bar with a bunch of people just standing around a happy hour. And I'm just sort of bumping into people. I'm like, hey, who are you? You seem cool. Let's hang. I just happened to record it and I just happened to share it. And I've got a little background in it, right, with the radio thing. Um, and it became my sort of full-time job-ish. The podcast isn't my full-time job, but I went from graduating from PT school. I, I graduated. Parents were excited. Got all the you know, certifications, took all the tests, yada, yada, and uh, practiced for two years. I did orthopedics and sports, and then I went to pediatrics. So I don't know if you can get a bigger swing there, maybe geriatrics to pediatrics, but I was doing ortho and sports to peds. But the whole time I was still recording episodes and sharing them, the whole the whole time I was still building friendships and, and just learning a ton. And then, oh, by the way, yeah, this, this audience behind me gets to learn with me. And then this feeling that I could be doing something for the profession or I don't, you know, anybody who'd listen was still with me. So how could I make that my full, could I make that my full-time job? If you Google that, radio DJ physical therapist is not a thing. Doesn't You're not going to find that on Indeed. But I just looked for gaps. I looked for like organizations that needed, that did great. I wanted to find people who did great things, but just needed more people to know about them. I was like, well, that's a super great job. Like my job is to make people, to make good work well-known. I could go to bed every night feeling great about myself, getting paid to do that. So I did. I, I essentially pitched myself to the first organization was Fox Rehabilitation which is in like, I don't know, at this point, they're in like 30 plus states. And they're essentially like, I call them like the Uber of geriatric physical therapy. And they just had great clinicians and a great business model. And I said, hey, you know what you guys need? You guys need someone who can be dynamic in front of the camera or microphone, who knows how to write, who can communicate really well. And oh, by the way, wouldn't it be bonus points if they had a doctoral degree in physical therapy? That feels like that might be a, a value add. So I just pitched myself. I said, I speak these two languages fluently. I can go back and forth, either one, either direction. And I got hired. So I shot videos and I recorded podcasts and I helped people write and I did that. And then I wanted to keep going. So now my full-time job, literally, if you had said to me or any of my classmates in PT school, what's the last area of PT practice Jimmy is going to be in? They would have said research because I did not. I was not as energetic as I was as I am now in research in PT school, but I work in a research lab. The hell does that work? Well, through the podcast, became friends with a guy, David Petrino, who has research funding at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. And I, every once in a while, I'd have David on the podcast because he's just always doing amazing stuff. And I'm like, hey, besides me showing up with a beer to hang out with you, how does the rest of the world know about what you do, what you learn? And he's like, well, he gets published in like Nature, or, you know, JAMA, whatever, like these big publications. But as we know, not everybody has access to those. And like when you publish, like that hits a certain percentage of the profession, right? I don't know about you guys, but like some of that stuff is not a page turner. It's dense. So I said, like, wouldn't it be great if you had somebody who could like be comfortable in front of a camera or a microphone? Essentially, I am your little John. I am your I am your hype machine. Yeah. I just go around and make sure everybody understands what it is that David and the rest of the team are doing. And uh, I made that my full-time job. So that's what I do. But I get to, now it's a cool um, job title. 
director of science communication is what I came up with. I still feel like I need to have some fun with it and make it not so serious. And I'll change my own job title because I can do that because I've, you know, I have the license to change my own job title. We all should. And that's what I get to do now, which leads me when you guys asked me if I wanted to come on your podcast, you said, well, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I want to talk about my mantra. And here it is. Science isn't finished until it's understood. So when I say that to you guys, what does it make you think, feel, experience? What does it make you, what does it make you think of? What does it bring up to you? It brings up well communication. So science okay. isn't finished until you put it at a level where more people can understand. Like people that aren't in science can understand. Bang. What about you? I was leaning towards the same thing, more of a communication thing. Like you could have all this data, you could have all these reports, but if the people don't know how to analyze it or don't understand it, then you're just throwing numbers out there and yeah. people aren't going to pay attention to it. I went right back to that room, that that Virginia Physical Therapy Association room of a thousand people. And I was like, this guy's he's spitting gold. But I bet you if this room of a thousand people were honest and I could have pulled them in the moment, how many people understand exactly what this guy is saying? But no one would raise their hand because you want to admit like you don't. Understand. I mean, myself included, I wasn't going to do it. But I bet you most people didn't get it. And it wasn't their fault. Remember, the PT student understood it in 15 minutes, but delivered differently. And that's what I saw. And that's the gap. You know, we would love to, to, to use that phrase in PT, right? We're bridging the gap. And I'm like, oh, man, how many gaps are there? A lot of gaps out there, guys. But I just saw like, hey, there's a, there's a room full of untapped potential. Look at all the stuff these brains in this room know, and they're gonna the information is gonna stay in in your skull unless you know how to get it out in a way that I can understand it. So I actually stole my mantra: "Science isn't finished until it's understood." From the UK science minister, he said his big his mantra was "Science isn't finished until it's communicated." And I was like, "Ooh, I like that!" And I ran around and I said that like a hundred times. And then I thought, I go, "No, no, 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 no." The goal of going to the gym is not to have gone to the gym. It's to elicit change. So the goal of communication is not to communicate it. It needs to elicit change, right? So the goal, and you don't, and, and I go further, you don't need to agree with what I said. You could not believe me as long as you understand it, right? So it's like science isn't finished until it's understood. And I think it is on us if they don't get it. How many discussions on you know Twitter go, well, the you know patients don't get what we do for them and they go further. The APTA should be the one doing blah, blah, blah. And it's a lot of this. It's a lot of finger pointing. If I say something on this podcast right now and you don't understand, it is on me. Well, it's on you first to say I don't get it or at least like give me some sort of like, you know, give me a confusing look. It is then on me to re-communicate, to figure out, okay, I explained it that way. Let me, let me, let me try it again this way. You would do the same thing for an eight-year-old, right? You're explaining how to tie your shoes. Uh, and they just look at you like, I don't get it. What are you done? Oh, I, I told you how to do it. You didn't get it. You must be an idiot. No, they're eight. Somewhere along the lines, we stop doing that. We stop taking ownership of what we're trying to communicate. We're like, well, I did it and check that off. I'm done. You're not done. Science isn't finished until it's understood. So that is what I get to do. And it gives me goosebumps still is what is what I get to do. I still get goosebumps because I get to work with super smart people at Mount Sinai or I get to help people within the APTA or I meet people like you guys who have a podcast and I go, hey, I see what you're doing there. Have you thought about 
this, this, or this. And I try to help people improve their communication um, because it's fun for me. And I typically know why people are failing because I have made that mistake a hundred times. So I'm like, I can spot this mistake from a mile away because I used to do that mistake over and over and over again. So I get to wake up every morning and I use words and videos and sounds and pictures to communicate science to other people. I talked a lot there. I'm not used to being a guest. I'm used to like listening. And I'm like, oh my God, someone asked me a question. Somebody asked me a question. I mean, I can't wait to talk. I'm going to stop and take a sip. No, that was that was fantastic. A great bio that can allow us to go a lot of different ways. But yeah. I'm going to start here. How do you check whether people have an understanding of what you're communicating? Like, yeah. what? how do you know that what your message is getting across to the intended audience or if you need to adjust yeah. if they let's say they don't raise their hand and be like i don't i don't get what you're saying i i have i'm lost brilliant question right let's use this podcast as a real case study example i just talked for the first i don't know 15 minutes right tell my story getting through my superhero origin story the whole time i'm doing that and we're on zoom as we record i'm looking at both of your faces I'm trying to read, like, are they getting this? Are they cocking their head to the side? Are they giving me agreement signs, right? I'm assuming, I'm, I'm trying to read those nonverbal communication signals, right? So that's with people in real time. But that's how you assess people if it's a patient or a friend or a family member or someone you just met. You are constantly assessing. So I would say my, my official answer to that is you need to be open to be listening while and after you've communicated, Right. You need to be actively making sure you're trying to look for signs that someone doesn't get it. Do you ever give someone directions in your town? And they're like, how do you get to blah, blah, blah? And, and you're like, hey, go left at the blah, blah. And they're just, they're like, they give you one of these like paint. Like it's like someone's, you know, you know, digging a knife into their back. You're like, something's wrong with your face. So I'm going to assume that something's wrong with what I'm saying that you don't understand it. So my answer is you need to, you need to be making sure you're, you're listening, you're looking, you're, taking in information to make sure that that person understands still on it's still on you the onus is still on the sender until that person goes oh, okay with a patient i would ask is everything i just said clear is there anything in there that you didn't 100% understand cuz in a minute you're going to leave and i'm not going to be here and i want to make sure you get it that's verbally that is active listening so passive you know looking for for nonverbal signs which i think last time someone published a study it was like 70% of communications nonverbal which means the other 30% is verbal and paraverbal. So nonverbal will be like mm -hmm, nodding or you know moving your head. Verbal will be like saying something. And then paraverbal is like how you say it. Like, I really understand that. Like, I really understand that. Like, I just said the same thing twice, but clearly I was lying the second time or you're not being true. So I, on a mass scale, how do you do that? It's harder, right? Like if I put out a tweet thread about the research study we just did at Mount Sinai in the Abilities Research Center where I work, I know what I usually get when I tweet about a certain subject. So now it's about data, right? And I can look and I say, I didn't get a really good reaction. Let me take a look at how I wrote that. And I go back and go, your first two tweets were pretty like cloudy and murky. Let's start again. It's still on you because I think this story is powerful enough. I think this information is important enough that it hasn't reached enough people that it should. So that's a different way. I can't look at everybody who's, you know, on Twitter. I can't like just ha hijack their, you know, their webcam and like take a peek. But in that way, I, I try to use data. 
And I sort of, uh, uh, I sort of always just assume like, it's probably my fault. Like they didn't, they didn't get it. Like it's probably, it's, I mean, let's be honest here. If we're going to, if we're going to check the polls here, who screwed up everybody or just Jimmy? I mean, just Occam's razor says the simplest explanation is true. So I take a look at myself. How did you get to the point where you're a good communicator? I know you were doing the morning announcements in school. So it's kind of something that you've been good at, but how did you improve upon that? So um, it's a really simple, complicated formula. You ready for it? You got to really, really like it, I think. And you have to be okay with being really, really bad. Because I wish I had tapes of the morning announcements and I simultaneously also wish I did not because I know it was horrible. And my first radio show in college, I got to do a, a college radio show. And I did my first mic break, like, you know, the song's ending and I'm going to talk and I'm going to play the next song. I did that. And then I, I went and threw up. I had, I was so nervous. I've been waiting my whole life. Technically, I felt like I've been waiting my whole life. So nervous. I threw up. So I knew my, like, I knew I wasn't good. And I was, okay, I was sort of like, okay with it because I really wanted to be great. Like I did. I still want to be great. I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. So I think you have to understand that, like, I mean, Kobe, Kobe talks, talked about this all the time, right? Dude could have just rested. Like, why was he in the gym at 530 in the morning? Because he cared about it and he wanted to be great. He knew he was okay with being whatever he was now, but that wasn't enough. So I think just persist. I mean, I, I got good by being horrible and then being less horrible and then being a little less horrible and you never get perfect. And I'm okay with that because I, because I like it. If I didn't like it, putting in the reps is hard. Right. What what was the quote? Doing something you don't like is stress and doing something, uh, doing something you don't like is stressful. Doing something you do love is passion or something like that, where it's like, yeah, like I don't love, you know, uh, mowing my lawn. So that's a little stressful, but it's got to get done. So that's why I don't do lawn mowing professionally. Um, but I do do this other thing because you couldn't keep me away from it. Like I went to PT school and still found a way to pick up a microphone. Not an accident, probably but not on purpose. Now, if you were to zoom in into your two respective fields that you went into with being a radio DJ and yeah. the PT, you might look at it from the outside. Like those are two totally different fields, two totally different areas, do two totally different things. But if you were to take a bigger look, like an aerial view, how do they blend together? How do they blend together for you? It's a great question. You are setting me up so well. I, it feels like we prepared this, but we did not. So I gave this, I was giving, I was giving a presentation as a PT student just before I graduated about communication. And I was telling my backstory and I was, and I thought like, how can I communicate it very clearly what I actually did? And the answer came in middle school. Again, we took like middle school, like geometry, right? And what's the rule? There is a straight line between any two points. Not a lot of points, not most points. There is a straight line between any two points. It only made sense after I did it. Looking back, it only made sense, right? Like I, I didn't come to physical therapy thinking I would just be the a, a radio DJ PT. So my point, my answer to your question is um, the way they came together was I could combine any because there's a straight line, but Physical therapy had enough people that were passionate and enough things to talk about. And I think communication plugs into pretty much everything, right? No matter what you do, you have to communicate with your coworkers or customers or patients or people who don't know about you. 
So I like the fact that, I mean, I think I lucked out. Communication plugs in anywhere. So maybe if I went to become a vet or if I went to become an auto mechanic, I probably would have still found a way to take this microphone out because it's, it's my it's my lockpick set. It's how I interact with the world. So I think I just lucked out that it's physical therapy and our product in physical therapy is helping people. So that makes it like super, you know, I don't have to, I go to sleep really well at night because we're talking about good stuff that enables other good people to be smarter so they can help other people. So I think I just, I accidentally drew a line between those two things um, by just looking at what made my hair stand up on my arm. When you talk about um, like your journey to like going through PP school and then going back to like the media, did you get criticism with that? I didn't. Uh, yes. Um, and it came in the form of um, how am I going to put this? Like people in, to my face, you got to do, you're, you're not going to be a physical therapist then. And I'm like, actually I'm going to be a super specialized physical therapist who gets to connect in for people to information. And I remember like people would be like, Oh, that's um, like the vibe I was getting from them, like, that's a waste. And I got, and, and, and I'm still, I still do this super self-conscious. Like, am I waste? Like, shouldn't I go be a PT for five or 10 more years? And then I can do this thing. So I think about that all the time. But at the end of the day, I was like, this really lights me up though. And people are still here. So obviously there's value. I mean, that's the cool part. Like people vote if what you're sharing is good with their most valuable asset, time, right? Podcasts cost nothing to listen to, but they do. They cost time. So, um, but yeah, so I still, I struggle with it less because I think I surround myself more and more with people that I help, like, that's my day job now is they're like, Jimmy, can you help me put together a presentation? I'm like, oh my God, can I? I can't wait to put together a presentation. Who are we presenting to? And I, and they can see that value. So now, but because before it was just me and I was trying to prove to other people what I, I remember I told my best friend and his wife what I was going to do. And through no fault of their own, they were like, I think you should just be a PT. Like ugh. they were, they, it was coming from a place of sincerity. Like they cared about me. They're like, if you take this leap, like what's going to happen? And I remember my comeback was, I have a PT license to fall back on. Feels pretty good. Feels like that's, I feel like I have a net here on this trapeze journey. But yes, good question. I struggled with it at first because also I didn't know what to tell people that I was doing. Because again, I didn't even know which direction I was going to go in. Um, do, you, do you guys know who Stefania Bell is? Stefania works for ESPN and she's like an in, she's like a head injury analyst or whatever. Does a lot of fantasy sports stuff. I met Stefania Bell and then we were like, after party sitting around like really just having a drink and she's like and she said something really profound she's like i feel like you and i are passing each other in different directions in the hallway of like our careers which is kind of funny she was a physical therapist who then tripped across like ooh, if i take physical therapy and fantasy sports and i draw a line between those two things i mean she landed on espn doing that so she went from pt to media to where she is and I'm going from media to PT to where I am. So yeah, the opposite directions, but kind of going in this, you know, sort of, we pass each other going, Oh, that's what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that, but you're doing it. I went, she went ABC. I went BCA or whatever. So it was kind of cool. And that sort of, even that one person recognizing and, and being able to like, kind of know 
we can, you know, we can kind of like commiserate or kind of complain about things like, don't you hate it when, or whatever. I'm like, oh my God, yes. Someone else who understands me. Um, so that was nice. And she was like super, you know, super gracious with her time to make, you know, a, a kid in PT school go, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think I'm doing something cool. Can you just validate me and give me permission to do it again? Don't need it, but I wanted it. I think, I think that's dope. Um, I like that you said you could connect any two dots with a line, like there's a line between any two dots. And I think that's the people, that's the part of the DPT that people um, oh. don't see. Thank like you. you can, you can connect any two dots as long as you leverage your skills. I feel like PTs are seen as the only like give like traditional one-on-one -on -one care, but as long as you leverage your skills, you can connect any two dots, any of your interests. So I tell this to PT students, you know, I get, I'm going to Sacred Heart University in a couple of weeks to host a live podcast. And I usually start the show off by telling a mini version of the story I started this podcast off with. I want them to understand who I am first. So then they can go, oh, okay, he's here to unlock what's in their brains. And we bring out three to four guests in an hour. And at the end of me telling my story, I, I do like to bring this up which is I just told my story and that's fun. It's, it's fun for Jimmy to tell his story, but I hope what you, the audience takes away from it is exactly what you just said. Maybe you don't have a media background. So you're like, Oh, that doesn't, that story didn't help me, but notice what I did. You could take any other point and connect it to physical therapy. You rode horses competitively. Fantastic. How can you, I don't know the answer. You have to, you'll figure out how to look backwards on equine to physical therapy and you, you can literally connect it to anything because that's the rule. That's a rule in math is there's a straight line between any two points. Now, not all of them are going to necessarily work, maybe, right? Not everything's going to be a hit, but how great would it be if your thing was? So what are the two dots you really would be passionate about connecting, right? And then what direction can you take that? Because the profession needs it. The profession needs it. So then I'll go like one step further. Like I'll talk to PT students on PT school terms. I'll say, okay, you're either a shoulder or a hip. And they go, what does that mean? And I go, okay. You graduate from PT school. And I'm sure, man, there's a recruiter sitting outside of graduation with a job and a sign-on bonus, right? And there is nothing wrong with going to work for an organization that can put you to work and pay you for your skills and, and make sure there are patients in front of you. I said, that's a hip. That is a lot of stability. And some flexibility, right? You can you're flexible within that model. Or you could be a shoulder. And we know about the shoulder, more mobility, less stability, the less. So you could become an entrepreneur. Or you could buy yourself a really nice microphone and a camera and you could be a radio DJ PT. Now, a lot of lot of mobility, a lot of opportunity there, not a whole lot of stability, because there ain't not a lot, there's no rules out there for that. But you can hop back and forth. If this podcasting didn't work for Jimmy, I probably would have just got a job working with someone else and and found a way to connect, you know, all the points that I connect. Um, but that's how I wanted them to see it, or I, I still want them to see it. It's shoulder or hip, but you get to decide. And is there some in between? Sure. Mobility and stability. Which do you crave? Some people want. I want all the stability in the world. I just, I just want it. nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. If that lights you up. Hey man, I just feel like there's something inside me and I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to open my own thing and I want to only treat people with Parkinson's disease in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Great, do that. The audience will tell you if your idea is going to work or not. When you say the audience is going to tell you if your idea works or not, how long do you give yourself to 
like good with, like get that audience. I feel like sometimes yeah. your ideas are good, but if you're not getting the support right away, people sure. kind of give up on it. Yeah, I mean that's where the that's where the sky's the limit. But like, man, yeah. you fall fast, right? Um, yeah. Who was it? Um, John Krasinski, who played Jim on The Office. He said he wanted to do. He tells this great story about him and his mom. He was he moved to New York City and he was going to be an actor. And his mom was like super supportive. Okay, great. And never made him like feel like another kid just going to New York to be an actor. She was like, give it a rip, go. And I think he was. He said something like he'd signed a year lease at an apartment in New York City. And he was, you know, he was a waiter during the day and he was like going on inner, uh, you know, uh, pitches and he was trying to get parts, uh, auditions. I don't know why I call them pitches, auditions at night. And he was like 11 months in and his lease was about to come up and he called it. He finally called his mom and was like, so I gave it a rip and I'm going to come home and I'm going to do whatever it is I'm going to do. Uh, and she's like, you got a month left. Like you, it's paid for. You have to pay for it. What, what are you doing? Like, go the go the eleventh month. Go to go to go to full twelve year twelve months. Go to the year, and the next interview was uh, next audition was the office. So like that's a great story, and I can't tell you how many stories end up like that because we never hear about them. Um, your fallback plan is a PT license, right? And if you listen to Gary V, you guys know Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, he talks all the time. He's like, don't make the leap. Does it have to be all at once? Like. You know, this is where like I like, and you know, key like what key? What's the the poster behind you? Is it like hustle or grind? What is it? Hustle. hustle. So like I like the hustle mentality, and I don't, but I don't want it to kill people. So what Gary does is, I mean, he's all hustle, all hustle, and he's all passion and he's all empathy. He doesn't say quit your job and do that thing full time. What he'll say is like, why aren't you up at five o'clock in the morning before you have to be at work at eight? Well, because I'm tired. Don't worry about it. Stay at your job. Stay in bed. So can you dip your toe in the water? I did. I, I was a practicing PT and I was doing this podcast two episodes a week at night. And I was doing that for two years. And it started to build, it started to build, it started to build. I didn't quit and, and live off the podcast. I couldn't yet. Maybe someday I'll get there. I'm on the way, just FYI. But I said, I'll keep a day job that actually combines these two. And look what it does. Working for Fox, flying around the country, meeting interesting people who I also brought on the show. Like, so I was merging these two things together slowly, 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 slowly. I, I still haven't taken the leap, but if the thing in front of me was graduate from PT school and become a full-time podcaster in the world of physical therapy, I couldn't have done it. I'm seven years in, I'm closer. But I also love this other thing that I'm doing. So I do, I, I slip, you know, nine to five. I'm a hip man. 5 p.m. rolls around and it's happy hour time. I'm all shoulder. I've got that podcast. And it, that's what you can do with communication. You can leverage because, again, geography doesn't matter. So as you're starting to get to know more people and you're building the podcast audience yep. and you're displaying the value that people bring to the table, were there any struggles that you through as like figuring out your figuring out your new role and how you're going to communicate yeah. that while working the nine to five and having the pod and it all was, the other responsibility everybody i worked with was totally cool with the podcast in fact every job i got after every job i've gotten it's because the podcast again not on purpose but i met someone and they were like hey we need a pt i was like cool like so they it was almost like they knew me i didn't really even need to interview because they were like 
you know, the first guy was like, well, you're the first, you're just out of PT school. So I don't even, I expect you to know safety stuff works for him. Went to peds that woman I've met through the podcast. And she was like, I know your personality. I was like, I've never worked with kids. She goes, great. All I heard you just say was we have, you have no bad habits. I'll teach you how to be a peds PT. You just be, you just be you. I was like, great. Works for Fox. I interviewed, you know, Tim Fox, the founder at CSM two years before that. So, so the really, everybody was pretty supportive through the podcast. Um, the, the struggle, the struggle really comes uh, from within. So I've been doing this for seven years, specific physical therapy podcasting, which is insane. If you think about it, like a thousand episodes. I remember when I first started, my roommate was like, after you've interviewed like the 10 or 12 super famous people in PT, what are you going to do? And a light bulb came on in my head. And I said, oh, you don't get it. You can learn something from pretty much any conversation if you ask the right questions and listen. It, you don't, it doesn't have to be Sharon Dunn. Although Sharon Dunn, you will earn a lot. But Sharon will tell you, don't just talk to me, talk to everybody. And you can learn something from those. So my struggles came internally where, like we all do this. Suddenly I'd just say, like I'd wake up and I'd watch someone else I'd watch their highlight reel on social media and look at their success. And then I would like, oh, I need to change. I need to be more like them. And I would change and it would go horribly because that's not me. I can't, I can't be Kim Mang. I can't, couldn't do it. Not on my best day. So I would change. And then all of a sudden I lucked out. I had people around me who were open-minded, like people really close to me who could tell me, I'd rather tell you this and piss you off than not tell you this and watch it destroy you. And like, I see you doing this. Like what, you know, just explain why you're, why are you like doing these super deep, you're trying to do these super deep clinical episodes. It's hard to teach clinical things when that's not what I do every day. So it was coming off as disingenuous. It was, it was bad. I didn't like it. The desk, the, the guests probably thought it was super awkward. The audience didn't like it. And then all of a sudden I had to take a good hard look and be like, why are you not you? And then come back to it. That's happened several times. Even when you know that there's an error that you've fallen for, you can still fall for it. And I did several times. I told this story at September now. I almost quit, completely blew up the podcast back in January, nine months ago. Cause I was just, I was interviewing anybody who would ask. Cause I was like, I need to put out two episodes a week and I need to do this and this. And I was trying to be really tactical. I was trying to be like, I haven't done an aquatics episode in two years. The audience wants an aquatics episode. But like, I was pretty bored. I wasn't inter interested. So, that topic didn't drive me and it came out flat and the guest would probably thought I was a, a bad interviewer and I didn't have fun standing there for 45 minutes. The audience didn't care about it. I was like, Oh, so like, don't remember who brought you to the dance, right? Don't ditch your date at the dance. So like you be you look for people, look for people that may, I have to look for people that excite me. And when I come into an episode excited, I can't lose because my goal is to have fun. Got to be excited to have fun. And learn one thing. Okay, one thing in a half hour over a beer? You almost have to, on purpose, try not to learn one thing. In a half hour? Come on, you can teach me one thing, right? So being true to myself. So that was really where the struggles were for me is when it really happened too when this thing right here and for the audience, I'm pointing at a camera, started live streaming the show. And as a radio guy, that brought an extra element into the room that I just wasn't used to. I was like, we need to live stream. Everybody's like, why? And I'm like, because everybody's doing it. Mm, I would, I would mock someone if they gave me that conversation. 
If, if you guys were like, Jimmy, if we were doing a consulting session, Jimmy, we, we got a live stream. And I go, why? Like, cause everybody's doing, I was like, that's the, that is the worst reason to do something that I've ever heard. And it brought this thing that I was uncomfortable with a camera into me. And I became stiff. Like I sat up straight. Cause I was like, Oh, you got to look good on camera. I Googled how to do a good live stream with a camera. And I did all those things. And none of them were, were me because my whole career was, was just spent like making funny faces and leaning in and like playing with my glasses and moving the microphone around. But now you can't because you're on a live stream and you got to look good. So several times over the last seven years, I changed because I thought I had to. Don't forget who brought you to the dance. The audience liked what you were doing and you liked it. Hold on a second. You like it and they like it. What the hell are you changing it for? So the struggle, the biggest struggles came from within. Now, as a follow-up to that, your radio personality and your off-the-air personality, are they both the same or are you able to, do you have to turn it off and turn it on at when you're on the air? So um, they're pretty close. They're not the same all the time. If you get me on an es one espresso and a, t and, a, and a meeting on a topic I'm excited about, Jimmy on the podcast and Jimmy in real life for the same thing. I think I'm just like, I'm probably two or three notches a little higher. I am pretty energetic normally, but I mean, I used to bring people in off the street, you know, to come on my radio show when I was on terrestrial radio and those people, it's like, it, it, I'm the same distance away. I'm the same amplified version as most people are when you put in front of a group. So if you, uh, the, the line was, if you want the audience to get like a, a 10 in terms of energy, you have to give a 13. You, you have to, cause you have to lift them up. So if you want them to a 10, you gotta understand the strings between you and them is three. So you gotta, you gotta give a 13 to get them way up. So I realized that, but yeah, my, my personalities are pretty similar. Um, but yeah, we all have this like a little bit persona. My, I, I think, I think my energy level is the difference. Not, but not my, not my personality. I don't I think my personality is the same. I'm a little bit more toned down. I do shut it down eventually. Otherwise, I'd be who the heck would want to hang out with me like this all the time? Nobody. So I'm, I have a question. It doesn't have to do with your personality. But, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I know you, you're comfortable with a lot of like a verbal communication. How did you take advantage of social media and start learning how to do like written communication? for? Yeah, that was hard. Media? That was hard. So, uh, and I shied away from that because in, 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 in journalism school, you had three options. You had written, you had TV, and then you had, there was no, there was no social. I graduated in a one. There was written, there was TV, and there was radio. And um, I just it was always like, like super self-conscious about my writing because um, I couldn't slow down fast enough. This is my personality to sort of like make the verbal diarrhea make sense on paper. But you're right with social media, you had to. So I think I just forced myself to, and I read other people's stuff a lot and anybody's not just within physical therapy. Like I've been studying for the last two months to really write great tweet threads. I mean, like, like exactly how you format it and things like that. And I look at a lot of business people and entrepreneur people, how they write it. And it's transferable because what you're trying to do is you're trying to decipher and you're trying to pick the lock of a human brain. And there's elements in there like tension or confusion or intrigue. And you can do that with science or business or, you know, lawn mowing. It doesn't matter. 
So I was bet here. I mean, here's my answer again. I'll give the same answer. I really wanted to be good at it. And I was okay with sucking it first and then sucking a little less and then sucking a little less and then being okay. And then arriving to wherever I am now, knowing that this is not the goal. The goal is to continue to get better. But that was hard. That was because that was the sandbox we play in. We record a podcast and it lives somewhere, you know, but I've got to give you enough intrigue to want to go pay attention and spend time with it. And I use that dramatic effect, pay and spend attention and time. Those are transactional phrases, pay attention, spend time. It's not money, something more valuable, your attention and your time. Both those things are finite. So I recognize, hey, you could do all the great podcasting in the world. You still need to get good at written communication because you have to win eyeballs before you can win ears. So with, oh, my back, my back. Um, with now that you're getting your bag in the written communication and already having the radio, the DJ, this oral communication aspect. Is there one that you enjoy more than the other? Um, I actually, so, so I started doing this and you guys might want to try it because I just sort of stumbled upon it. I used writing, which forces me to slow down, which forces Jimmy, a person that usually goes way too fast to slow down. And it actually may be more clear and more concise. So what I started doing was I, I start doing these um these half pint episodes, right? So it's just Jimmy and the camera, no guest. And I'll take a topic that I really want the audience to understand. And I'm saying, okay, what if instead of I could do it because I've done live radio, I could turn the camera, the microphone on and just live stream and go, here's your topic, Jimmy, go. And I could do something in 15 minutes. But what I started doing was write a tweet thread about it because there are rules on Twitter, characters, right? In a tweet, how many tweets in a thread you can actually publish at once. I think it's 15 or 20. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write a thread and it's going to have intrigue, a hook at the front. And then it's going to have a carrot. It's going to have a story arc, right? It's going to, and then it's going to be a climax. And at the end, you will have understood, you have learned something, you'll understood something. I will communicate it. So I've used that medium that I, I've just admitted I was not my strongest and I don't, didn't used to go that way. And I allow it to help me form my thoughts. Then I take that tweet thread and I essentially, I just wrote myself a script or at least a really strong outline. And then I go tweet by tweet, but each tweet should only be one idea or concept. Don't give me two. It's too many things. I need one thing at a time. Boom, boom, boom. So I take the tweet thread. I sit down in front of a camera. I turn the camera on. I turn the microphone on. I talk to the audience and I walk them through that thread step by step. Now I've just made a piece of written content. Google loves that. Twitter loves that. Put that on my website. I turn that into a podcast episode. I turn it into a video live, live stream. I take clips of that or quotes from that, and I share that everywhere. So that one 15 minutes, let's say hour of writing, 15 minutes of recording, just got me enough content for, geez, I mean, I could spread that around for a week. So I saw the value in being uncomfortable again writing, and I've become not good at it, but at least more comfortable. And then I saw you talk about the importance of systems. And now it sounds like you kind of have built a system for yeah. starting with the, the written communication and using that to supply all your other platforms. But when did you start to realize that systems were important for you and helping you scale the business? So I knew it because I learned how to run a radio station from a guy who knew how to run a radio station, who learned it from a guy who learned how to run a radio station. But 
It was when somebody, one person put words to it. Do you ever have something like that where you're like, you know it. And then someone explains it in a way and you're like, oh yeah, that was the thing. I've known that, but I never, I couldn't explain it. I just knew it. So uh, do you guys ever, did you ever watch the show The Prophet? Uh, Marcus Lemonis. It's on MSNBC. So he's this entrepreneur guy. He's got a, you know, he's got a buttload of money. And he goes around. It's kind of like bar rescue for business. But he will invest his own money into this failing business. You write a letter, dear Marcus, dear the prophet, my business is this, this, this. It's great, but we're failing. And we're going to be out of business in 12 months unless someone helps us. And he shows up and the whole show is him sort of like looking at the business and trying to figure it out. And Marcus has these three things. And it's great because they're P's. So his three P's are people, product, process. Those are the three P's he looks for. If you have, if you don't have three good P's, I'm not giving you my money. So people are is quite literally the people in your organization. Do you have toxic people? I'm out. Do you have good people? Yeah, great. That's all I need to know. Are they good? Are they capable? Are they trained? Are they are they supposed to be here? If you're building boats, do these people know how to build a boat? Great, fantastic. The next is product. When those people get combined and you output a product or a service, is it a good product? Is there an audience for it? He asks all these questions. Would people want to buy this? Would I want to buy this? Does this solve a need? How come your business is failing? Is the product not good? And then inevitably, I think anyway, I haven't done any research, but all these episodes comes from the third P, which is process. And a lot of times, I think most of the time, you've got great people, you've got a great product. But the business is losing money because your process is lacking. Like you're bleeding money or why does it take twice as long to make a boat from your boat company than it should? So he breaks it down to process. And that's the one I focused on a lot because I was like, hey, like I'm the people. My product is actually me again. Uh Uh-oh, I'm the people and the product. Why am I not growing? If there's ever a time when we're not growing, either financially or, uh, you know, are more people listening? And a lot of times it was my process. And I thought, could I bring people in to do all the things that need to get done? I just explained to you how I wrote, I wrote a tweet thread, turned the camera and the microphone on, and created the created those couple you know, written piece of content, video content, audio content. But now I need to sit here and I need to cut those up, and I need to turn them into quotes, and I need to turn them into video clips. Could I? Which part of that could I process eyes out? Well, probably not the writing because that's my that's coming from my voice. And probably not the recording, because again, my voice. But from there on, editing stuff, chopping it up and sharing it, those are tasks I could process eyes out. Because I'd rather be recording a next thing than still editing the first thing. And that was how I started to think, oh, I knew this from radio. I was, I had interns to do all those things, or I had, you know, staff to do those things. That was me back in the day. I was doing those things for other people. There was a process involved. And when I started this podcast, it was just Jimmy. And you can't scale Jimmy. You can't scale one. There needs to be a process to it to be able to scale it. So for me, it was really learning that process. And Marcus's great line was, people do not run businesses. People run processes. Processes run businesses. Because I could go from me meeting somebody at a conference, giving them my card, making an introduction, getting them on the show, recording, editing. And there's a lot of steps. You guys know there's a lot of steps going from, hey, this person's great to final product. How many of those things do I need to do? I know I can do all of them. 
How many do I have to be touching individually? Because again, I could be recording the second episode while that first episode's being edited and chopped up. And that's a way to scale for me. It's a way to scale mid time. Yeah, basically focusing on what you're good at and then finding out who's good at what you don't want to do or what you're not good at and maximizing your time. Um, Correct. Exactly. What you need to. I like that. Um, question, in terms of you learning how to do like copywriting on Twitter, stuff like that, how do you like, how do you like think of if you weren't good at the writing or if you wanted to like flip it? What advice would you like give somebody that wanted to like turn video stuff into tweets? Yeah. Oh, oh, find someone who's doing it well. Uh, most of the time I reach out to people. Most of the people, I mean, I know like, especially Twitter, we talk about Twitter, right? Like it's toxic and it's so crazy. It's like crazy. <laughs> I'll be honest though. Most people are actually good. I think most people are are good enough. There's some completely toxic people out there. I'm not going to deny that. But I think most people are pretty good. So I all the time, especially in the beginning, I played the student card all the time. Oh my God. To the students out there, play the student card. People want you to. Hi, I'm Jimmy. I'm a student. I would love to know, like, how you how did you do that? Like I use the podcast as the as a student as the greatest Trojan horse ever. Hi, I'm Jimmy. I'm a student. Okay, great. You have my attention. And and someone put words to why that resonates with people. Because we were all students. Like you had to be a student. So as soon as I say I'm Jimmy, I'm a student, they're like, oh, like they, they're in, in in an instant, whether they know it or not, they're like, I remember when I was a student back in the day. Oh my gosh, remember that? Yeah. There's an instant hit of nostalgia in the brain for a dopamine hit. Right. I'm doing this project. And I'm oh, just so frustrated. I, I, I don't understand it. And I feel like you do. I feel like you get it. What, what you've just said to that person sub, subconsciously is like, I see you as an expert who has value and I would love to learn from you so I could be better than I am now tomorrow. Use that all the time. So if there were, if I saw someone doing something that I didn't understand, I had to swallow my ego and be like, hey, bro, maybe there's some stuff you don't know. And the only way to get better is to admit that and to actually try to do something about it. So whenever I saw someone doing something, a lot of the times I didn't have to ask. I would just watch and I would sort of dissect like, how are they pulling that off? It's probably not a trick. Most of the time it's basic good communication. And then sometimes it's like, dude, where'd you get that app? Like that edit or whatever. How did you do that? That is something you can ask like a specific for. And I have no problem asking. Most of the time people are good and will tell you. And if the person's not going to tell you, then they're a jerk and you shouldn't want to talk to them anyway. Uh, I, I miss the uh, I miss the student days because I would do the same. I Heck would do yeah, similar things, and you're right. Like it gets you in a lot of doors that you don't. Maybe now as a professional, it's a lot harder to get into because. All day though, like but 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 asking like, hey, I just graduated years ago. Is still that hit of nostalgia if the person you're talking to has been out for 15 years? Like oh, man, I remember how hungry I was when I was two years out. Like it still plays or or take take take. Cr- chronology out of it just say like hey I'm, I'm an admirer of your work i really and then but don't just say this to everybody like don't blow smoke be like I, I love you know the content you put out and i think you're really great and i had this one really specific question don't ask them to write you a novel right that's a pretty big ask but asking them like and gary via said this and i used to do this too i would ask like weird questions do you have nine minutes to jump on the phone with me if they're like yeah, I, I could do nine minutes. But if you're like, hey, do you have an hour to chat? Like people who are busier are not going to be, they're not being jerks. But like, I don't, I do not have an hour. 
But if you're like, do you have nine minutes like on your drive to work? I'll wake up at five o'clock in the morning to talk to you, to ask you one. I have this one question and it really doesn't play in words. Most of the time it works. And even if it doesn't, it costs you 11 seconds to write the email. I mean, give it a rip. You've mentioned Gary Vee yeah. a couple of times during this, during this. Are there other people that you look up to that you like, gain inspiration from or try and emulate? Yeah, Gary Vee is someone I hated at first. And he talks about these people. He's like, yeah, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, this guy's such a douche. I hate him. And he says he notices the, the switch when people stop paying attention to what he's saying or no, how he's saying it and pay attention to what he's saying. And I had that. I was like, this guy is a jerk. I hate this guy. And now I don't think he walks on water, but I think he 99% of the time he's got some good stuff. Uh, Chris Doe, D-O, he hosts The Future, F-U-T-R-E. It's like spell funny. He's great. He's like a graphic designer, but he breaks things down like sort of the for the creator economy. Um, I wouldn't be able to... I just got this book now. This feels like product placement, but I did not write this book. His name is R Roberto Blake. He's great. He just wrote a book called Create Something Awesome. So these are all creative people, right? That's the world I'm in. In the world of PT, I will not tell you who I look up to because there's too many people and I would not mention all of them. So then I would leave one of them out and feel like a jerk. Um, but for me, I tend to look up to the people or I, the people I'm closest to. So there's like three women in in, in PT that, are close to me. One I mentioned already, Sky Donovan. She's the um, the chair at Marymount University where I went to PT school. Still really good friends. Now we're friends. I can't call her my former professor anymore. She's like, that sounds bad. Just call me your friend. I'm your friend. Um, Megan Brown. Megan Brown is a PT and she owns her own uh, business in, a, in one of the most competitive markets in the United States, which is Alexandria, Virginia. We want to talk about like the competitive of the competitive. She's a physical therapist who owns a Pilates studio. And she provides physical therapy while no one knows it. She brings you in the front of Pilates. And then she's like, you sneak to physical therapy. Like you don't even know you're, you're taking the medicine. It's definitely, it's a spoonful of sugar. And then she's like, I win both ways. And, and the third is Katie Sutton. Katie Sutton's a physical therapist assistant and an educator and just an all around good person. And these women are just so smart and ferociously like just persistent. And I look up to them constantly. So those are three people that I love. There are lots of others though. And I know I'm leaving them out, but I can't mention everybody because I'll go on forever. That's okay. Totally fine. I definitely, I like Gary V too. I mean, I always like to know, but I tend to like people that like their delivery is kind of off, but yeah. I understand what they're saying. I kind of yeah. buy with those people. But um, I have a question. Before you mentioned that you want to be great, you're not great yet. What does greatness in your field and what you do look like? I don't know. So back of the Denny's um, placemat, like you ever like the, the back of the napkin plan, you know, you're like in, in a bar. So there was a moment I just graduated from PT school and I was at CSM and it was like five o'clock in the morning and I was having breakfast with Sky Donovan and she turned over the Denny's placemat because we eat dinner at classy high end places that have paper uh, placemat. And she's like, draw it out. What do you want to, you, you're a physical therapist. How can you set towards a goal unless you know what the goal is? And the goal has to have objective measures. And I was like, I don't objectively know. And she goes, well, then subjectively describe it. And I said, I want to be the voice of physical therapy. And she goes, what's that mean? I go, I don't know yet, but I'll know when I get there. And all I think it means is if I can have enough conversations that people listen to that 
other people are learning from too. And I'm having fun do it. Fun uh, having fun do it. That to me is success. And I and here's the cool part. I'm there. Am I still going to try to get better? Absolutely. Am I going to still create, create, create? Yeah, it's in my bones. But I'm there. Because if that's if that's the idea, have fun and learn something in each episode, share, give more value than you take. I'm already there. Um, I've made so many friends, built so many relationships. Like I can't lose. If this podcast shuts down tomorrow, I'm still so far in the black. I win. I've already won. Um, you know, something I didn't talk about was while I was a PT student, we did a um, a mission trip to Costa Rica. I'll give you the, the the nickel version of this. This I think it was episode 70. If you want to go to my scroll back like crazy and find it, or maybe I should re-release it. But this this 18 year old kid in Costa Rica taught me exactly where that exactly that I did belong in physical therapy. So here's the nickel version of it. We got sent to an orphanage in Costa Rica to work with kids for two weeks. I didn't think I should have been a physical therapist. I think I should have graduated because I paid a lot of money and passed all the tests, but I didn't know where I fit. And I got paired up to work with this kid, 18 years old, who had muscular dystrophy. And here was the part that pissed me off. If you know anything about muscular dystrophy, we can't fix it. Uh, after two weeks, I left him no better than I found him. He was perfectly happy. He was just, hey, good to meet you. You know, have a great trip back to America. And I was pissed because I could picture him sitting in the orphanage courtyard in a tilt and space chair, completely passive. I left him no better than I found him. I did not help him. And that bothered me. So I said, well, what do I have? What, what, what do I have here? What do I got? I got a microphone. I had already started the podcast. So I was like, I know what he needs. The goal is he needs a power wheelchair. He's in an orphanage in Costa Rica. He ain't getting a $30,000 power chair. It's not happening. It's not, they're not even thinking about it. I was like, but I have a microphone and this is connected to the internet and the internet is connected to people. So it took us 66 days to raise $30,000 to buy a power wheelchair. And then my university paid for me to fly in the wheelchair so it didn't get caught up in customs. And I flew the damn power wheelchair back to him in Costa Rica in an, or in an orphanage. Power wheelchairs are not a thing for kids in orphanages in Costa Rica. So I said before we embarked upon that, and keep in mind, this was not just me. There was an army of people behind me, but I just kept telling stories and getting more people to come along and give money and help and share. But the point was I was able to do something, and that's when I was like I – there was a straight line between where I was sitting there saying goodbye to him in the, in the, in the orphanage and the power wheelchair. I just – I had to recognize it, and then I had to walk it. Like I'm an idea guy. Ideas are a dime a dozen, baby. Like you have to do it though, and that's the hard work. I mean, I firmly believe anybody can run a marathon. There's a straight line from start to finish, but you got to get up every morning, and put your shoes on. So that that kid in Costa Rica really like, okay, I just hacked this out. This was not in the car. Like there was no plan. I just just kept going. I just kept swimming. Right, finding Nemo was right. Just keep swimming. And uh, so he he showed me. I didn't teach him anything. He showed me that, I don't know, like just take what you got and what you love and just work really hard and something good will happen. Or you'll just have done a bunch of good stuff. I don't know. Either way you win. I like that. That was a good, that was a good way to bring that back, that point A to point B back. Um, I got two more questions for yeah. you. Um, you recently just released a course. Yeah for fellow podcasters. Can you explain a little bit about it and what inspired you to drop that? 
the inspiration was actually headaches. So here's what it was. People know me as like the PT podcast guy. And then from 2015, when I launched to now in 2022, like you guys have a podcast and someone else has a podcast. There's a podcast. And I think that is great. I think it's proof of concept. I do not think more podcasts, even in physical therapy, is actually competition for me. I think it's proof that what we do in sharing voices is valid. So the problem or the headache was people would do what I said, right? Hey, if you respect somebody, email them. So people would email me like, how do I start a podcast? And I would Zoom or I would Skype with people and I'd walk them through this podcast. Now, the problem was they would, it would work. <laughs> and then they'd tell someone else, call Jimmy. He'll walk you through the whole damn thing. So I was like, okay, how about this? Why don't I just do it with one person and I'll record it? And then I'll just give it away for like 30 bucks, right? Because I got to have cover my costs or whatever. It's my time and it's valuable. But I'll record it. I'll do it once. And then if you have questions or whatever, then I, if you've gotten past the, the course and you still want to go further, then you can call me. We'll figure it out. But it really was out of like, hey, I don't want to say no to these people, but I also have like stuff to do. So I can't sit down for an hour a day for, you know, an hour a week for six weeks to get you launched, especially because I was like, I'm doing the same thing over and over again, mostly, right? There's a lot of things that are similar between launching your podcast and my podcast. I also explain how to make those things different. But again, I make suggestions, you or whoever's taking the course they make the decisions. I make suggestions. They make decisions. So the course really was like, hey, if I had to help one person launch a podcast, and I've done that, I'm going to record the process or at least my thoughts of what I say to these people before I pick up the phone for that week's lesson. And that way I can scale Jimmy. So I'll do it once and use this magic to record this damn... I don't know why I didn't think of it earlier. Honestly, it was it, probably it was a little um, insecurity. Like, who the hell would want to listen to me? Well, people kept calling. So I was like, okay, let me record it. And this way I can scale my knowledge a little bit. So that's why I did it. And the goal is you have something in here, it's in the chest or it's in the head and you want to get it out. And oh my God, the only thing stopping you or the world from knowing about what you know is a couple of lessons on how to launch a podcast. We can solve that. So really my podcast, my, my the podcast course is the goal is to reduce the anxiety because it you're smarter enough to do it, right? So I just want to make it, clear so you can get through the anxiety part and get to the doing i want you to get to the doing faster for everybody considering joining having a podcast and have something they're passionate about that they want to uh spread the value to the world too you guys know where to find yeah. some resources yeah. so there's no excuses no, no excuses. excuse take it give it a shot if you don't like it exactly. i don't know I'll give you the money back i don't know <laughs> yeah, exactly my last question for you yeah. we've been on here i don't know how long we've been like over an hour Okay. The one thing, the one thing that you want a person listening to this to to learn from this conversation, what would be the distance between you and people that need the information that you know. Whether you're a physical therapist, a podcaster, does not matter. The distance between you and people that need you is as thin as the glass on your smartphone. You do not need to work for a large organization. You do not need permission. To start communicating, literally open a Twitter account for free and start providing value. If you leave with value, if you leave with a give, it's very difficult to lose. If you want attention, if you want to be known, if that's your driving force, that's hard. And it should be because there's no value in that. Hey, everybody pay attention to me. Why? Why should I pay attention? 
So for me, that's it. Is if they're if you're passionate about helping a population of people out there, the distance between you and them is really, really small. You have the opportunity to to touch lives, to share what you know. Information, knowledge is power. Um, don't wait for someone to ask you to be on CBS. You can connect to the people who need you faster, more frequently, and for almost zero dollars right now. And the only reason you're not doing it is maybe you need permission or maybe you need a little bit of knowledge and skill. Maybe you need to know those those lessons and how to do it. And then all of a sudden, you're doing it. Ooh. All right. Go ahead, Jimmy. Go ahead. Can you get that little John, <laughs> little John one more time? Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Okay! Uh, love got it. Those, love they're it. on they're on hotkeys i've got them on hotkeys next to me they're always there there they are they're buttons i got them ready uh, I, uh, you want to spice up a zoom meeting you have to have a what, what? <laughs> you have to have those every once in a while it spices up a zoom you know what i'm saying oh yes it does change change the whole energy as soon as you played it on the the, the intro i was like oh it's gonna be it's gonna be, it's gonna be different absolutely um if people have questions or want to follow you or listen to the podcast where can people find you yeah yeah yeah. so the podcast is like everywhere that uh, podcasts are heard it's called pt pintcast uh website super complicated ptpintcast.com and on the socials at pt pintcast i got in early right and there's not many people jumping out there for pt pintcast but that's what that's where we are (laughs) all right i don't have this was great I don't have any any other questions. I'm just glad that you were able to come on and speak with us. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I appreciate right. it. Appreciate it. All right. We'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Key Mang Audio. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Key Mang Audio Experience. Make sure to subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology, as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPintcast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.